patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Rich Stitzel here. Welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast. So we are into some new territory now, and I'm really excited because I want to talk about something that uh, actually just kind of organically happened, and it's awesome. A uh, a great drummer in Texas named Joe Carpenter uh, made a post the other day, and it was hilarious, and it was cool, and I really appreciate him giving uh, giving me some some drum mantra props. So uh, I'm going to read this post. It's funny. It says. At a gig this weekend, I had the metronome going for the next song in my ears only, but the band leader counted off the song, unknowingly putting my click on the ah of the beat, one E and a. Uh. The song starts with a lot of cross stick, making it impossible to switch off the metronome, so I played the entire song with the metronome on the uh of the beat. Would not have been possible without the drum mantra practice I've done. Thanks, Rich Stitzel. Hashtag drum mantra. <laughs> that is so great and so funny, and uh, I don't even know if I could do that. That's that's pretty that's pretty tricky to keep the click on anywhere but the downbeat. And this is something that I talk about a lot, and this is something that uh, my book, the Foundational Series, covers in great depth. But here's here's the thing: the the Foundational Series book is. Uh, it's a bunch of exercises with a subdivision of 16th notes, and it's basically just 16th notes with accents and pulse displacement with one or the other foot. And what happens is you're moving the accents everywhere possible in a measure of 4-4, four, four, a measure of 3-4, and a measure of 5-4. The play-alongs, the audio play-alongs that come with the book include an audio file of a metronome that I call the moving click and the moving click is four measures of downbeat and then four measures of the click playing on the e four measures of the click playing on the and and four measures of the click playing on the uh so you would play the one measure long exercise 16 times 16 repetitions and every four measures, the click moves one sixteenth note over. And you can probably imagine that that's a pretty cool challenge. Thinking about it is one thing. Doing it is a totally other thing. When the click is moving, it's very tricky to keep your place and keep your time solid. Uh, this is a great workout for developing time freedom. One of the things that I'm sure all of you know is, well, nowadays especially, we are all on clicks all the time. Um, even even young drummers in churches, uh, you know, kind of the big mega churches, teens have church services, and they're on ears and they're on clicks, and people are used to hearing clicks. When I grew up, click was uh, not very common, and the only time that you would hear a click is maybe at the beginning of a of a recording session, like if you're doing a jingle. Um, I even remember the days when you would actually the metronome would be in the control room. And the producer, the, the director, would count off the tune, and you'd hear the click in your ears for the count off. 
and then it's gone and you're just kind of on your own. Practicing with the metronome was hard in the early days as well because it's they weren't very loud. And I can't even imagine the days when you had to, and I had this, uh, one of those metronomes that you actually have to wind up and the arm swings back and forth and it slowly gets slower. <laughs> Pretty funny. But uh, I was always fascinated with the metronome and the idea of time. And when I started to be able to relate time to what was going on around me in the world, it really became cool and really solidified um, a level of importance to me that I always thought was cool. If you think about what a second is and uh, think of a pulsar star, a pulsar is a dying sun. A pulsar is a a sun that is... Um, on its last leg, and a last leg for a sun or for a star is, you know, millions and millions of years. And so a pulsar is a star that is spinning. Some of them spin as fast as 700 times per second. Can you imagine a star spinning 700 times every second? That's insane. But I, I think at some point I had heard that there's a pulsar that spins twice every second. And basically, it clicks 120 beats per minute, so two times a second, and that's where we base our second on. And I never realized this until much later in my life. I'm like, oh, pulsar watches. It's like a second is based on a pulsar star, a dying star, that spins consistently two times per second. And that's where we get our second from. So, uh, you know, one thing I love to do when I'm I'm doing a, a clinic with younger people is I say, okay, look at the second hand. Hopefully there's a clock in the room. Usually there is in a a school classroom or a college classroom. Uh, You can see a second hand. I say, look at the second hand. I'm going to put on the metronome at 60 beats per minute. And every time the second hand moves, you hear the metronome click. Here we go. And you watch it and it happens. And so we do some math and it's like, okay, how many, what's uh, 60 times two? And someone says 120 and I change the metronome to 120 and we watch it. And I say, you're going to hear two clicks per second. Now, every time the second hand moves, you'll hear two clicks on the metronome and we watch and everyone's like, oh, cool. And it's like, okay, let's do it with three. What's 60 times three? And someone says 180 and set their metronome at 180. And now we're going to have three clicks per second. I think the light bulb turns on for a lot of people when they go, okay, so time is actually related to time and subdivisions are actually related to time as well it's all one big thing it's like the micro would be 32nd notes 16th notes eighth note triplets eighth notes quarter notes half note triplets half notes whole notes etc etc you know one second one minute one hour one day one week one month one year one decade etc one century one millennia or whatever you call it is that a thousand years or something Etc. So I, I know you get my point, but um, I just I just love that that really drumming kind of takes the the huge picture of time and cycles of things and and brings it down into the micro where we actually get to um, express it on an instrument. So back to the idea of the metronome and playing and practicing to it um, and being on a click. Wow, I really kind of went away for for a second there, but uh, I'm back now. So if you use a click, which you probably do in practice or in a gig or in a session, the click is always going to be on the downbeats. You're never going to get into a session and someone's going to go, okay, here's the click, but we're going to think of it as the E. Here we go. I mean, it would be a mess. No one would ever do that because 
people need the downbeat. People rely on the downbeat. So one of the things I started thinking about was, okay, why do we need to rely on the downbeat so much? It's no different than any other part of the beat. It's physically no different. It's The sound of it is no different. The placement of it is only different because we've put it somewhere else. So I realized that the physics of things isn't usually the issue with coordination and playing drums. It's the mental perception of what it is that we're doing that strengthens or hinders what we're, what we're um, trying to perform. So this moving click that comes with the foundational series, and you can, you can create your own moving click. I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. You just, uh, you know, pull up Ableton. You can put a moving click in. That's what I did. However, now, and let's see if I can grab my phone and, and turn this on. Recently, um, I was contacted by Joe Crabtree, who invented the most amazing metronome app I've ever seen. It's called Polynome. And he reached out and asked if I would like to be an artist for um, the app. And I said, Absolutely. I've got a copy of the app on my phone, and man, it is heavy and deep, and you can do so much with it. It's crazy. I don't even know if I'll ever learn everything that Joe has created for this app. However, I will show you what I've created for it. I created the moving click. So now the the MP3, obviously, you can't change the tempo of it, the thing that comes with the book. Uh, the tempo, I believe, is at 93 beats per minute. I love 93 BPM. I love 87 BPM. I like 81. I like medium slow tempos for doing these things because it really requires your attention to stay with it on several levels. If it feels slow, then you've got to work on your patience. If it feels fast, then you've got to work on your relaxation. So these mid tempos are really great for working on a lot of things. But uh, here's an example. Uh, I programmed the moving clicks. I'm just going to play one cycle, one 16 measure long cycle. So you're going to hear uh, two different sounds because I programmed one sound to just remain on quarter notes so you can hear the click start to go away from the downbeat. So for the first four bars, you're going to hear both sounds at the same time. Second four bars, you're going to hear one of the sounds one sixteenth note later, and then that sound will go a sixteenth note later again to the and, and then finally to the uh, and then it will be back on the downbeat. So every four bars it will change. Here we go. Check it out. And back to the downbeat. So that's a 16 measure long cycle of um, quarter note pulses that move one sixteenth note over every four bars. Practicing with a metronome that does that gives you an opportunity to experience the click being not on the downbeat. And it moves by quick enough that, you know, you're four bars in, you're four bars in, you're four bars in, you're four bars in. It's not going to be like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm trying to like Joseph Carpenter, who played an entire song with the metronome on the uh, that's crazy, man. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that band must have good time for you to be able to hold them together with with uh, click being on the uh. So it's great to practice. I mean, I think that it's there's nothing wrong with practicing strange 
esoteric kind of things when you practice. So in the in the foundational series book, you do these these exercises. You're playing sixteenth notes on the hands on a snare drum or whatever, right, left, right, left, right, left, and you're accenting the downbeats and you're playing downbeats on your bass drum and that click is moving. You do that for sixteen times and then you go to the the next exercise and the bass drum stays on the downbeat and the accent moves to the E with your hands and you go through sixteen bars. So you hear the downbeats, the E's, ands, us, and the click and your hand, your left hand begin uh, continues to play the E the whole time. And what you will experience, especially with the E's, is even though you're doing that with your left hand and even though you're playing a downbeat with your bass drum, if you're really locked in on that metronome click, it will feel like your left hand is playing the downbeats and your bass drum is playing the note before the downbeat, which would be the uh. So I guess in essence, I mean, I can I can sit and talk to you about what happens and what your experience will be, but the best thing to do is to just sit down and do it. Because then you'll find your own experiences and you'll find your own balance in the whole thing. Why is this important? Well, I think that we rely on the downbeat so much that, you know, we feel like, okay, I've got my time. It's totally solid. I'm burying the click. If you don't know that term, by the way, burying the click means you're playing exactly with the click. And when you play exactly with it, the sound of your drums a lot of times can drown the sound of the click completely out. Like it disappears. It's completely in phase with the sound of your drum and the click goes away and that's called burying the click but even if you're able to bury the click and then you move the click to the e there's going to be some time fluctuation i promise you in the beginning especially move it to the and it's not so bad we're used to hearing an and as a syncopated pulse and then move it to the uh and it's a little harder than the and but it's not as bad as the e and i say bad as in challenging the e is the most challenging of subdivisions for us to hear so so, you know, work on that, get deep with it, and um, I promise you, your playing will will increase and improve greatly when your time, especially with, uh, with being able to, to play with this click. Okay, cool. Let's move into one other little topic real quick, and this is something that I'll probably um, talk about several times um, because it's important to me to get my point across. I see a lot of... Um, ads on Instagram and Facebook from drummers that say, learn how to play fast, learn how to get your, not, not, not speed fast, but like how to, how to, uh, optimize your practice time to get the best results, the quickest. And as much as that sounds enticing and as much as that seems like a great way to approach all of this, and I'm just as guilty as the next person on needing to be in a hurry, feeling like I've got to hurry up and learn this because I've got this gig tomorrow and and I need to learn these 20 songs by then or I've got this session and I have to play this certain groove and I've got to learn how to do it really quick. So there are some crunch time moments where you've got to cram, you've got to learn something, you've got to you've got to overcome some kind of challenge fast. And yeah, that's going to happen. And I think that that pressure and that stress will definitely um, be a good motivator and a good inspiration for getting into the practice room and shedding some stuff. But I think that when we're focused on the end goal, when we're practicing, it can be a little bit dangerous and it can be a little bit um, limiting. And the reason I say this is because one of the beauties of music and the joys of creativity is 
um, experiencing the freedom, having the experience of just letting things happen as they happen, being in the moment of the experience. Now, practicing requires focus, and practicing requires discipline, and practicing requires a plan. So how can you be freely in the moment and have a plan. Well, it's doable, but it's a little bit different than what what some may think. Here's how it works. Whatever you're practicing, you do it with full intention. You're completely focused on what it is that's happening. When you are focused, your mind can allow the exercise that you're playing to start to sink in. That's the first step. The second step is the amount of repetitions that it takes for muscle memory to kick in is what the goal should be. So you start to learn how your body processes things and you do enough repetition so the muscles start to understand and memorize exactly what that particular physical movement requires. It could be a coordination thing, it could be a voicing thing, it could be a sticking thing, it could be, you know, whatever kind of technical thing that you're trying to deal with. You have to do a lot of repetitions to get the muscle memory to kick in. And I think I've mentioned this before and I talk about this a lot too. You know, when I have my drum mantra classes, you're required to play these exercises for an extended amount of time. We play an exercise for almost six minutes without stopping. And when you're by yourself, practicing, it's hard to have the discipline to stick with it and to see yourself all the way through to the end of whatever your goal for practicing is because we are distracted creatures and we are very easily swayed into all kinds of mental games. So you could be practicing something and be totally checked out in your mind, you know, be somewhere completely different. Having a conversation with someone in your mind or you're at the grocery store in your mind and you're just kind of on autopilot practicing. So in a group setting, when you're surrounded by other people that are doing the same thing as you, it really forces you to remain present and to remain proactive in your focus. And that's a huge deal because I think I've said something like this before, but if your goal is to overcome some kind of a, of a challenge with coordination or something, and you sit down and you're playing it, you sound pretty good for a minute, and then 90 seconds in you sound pretty good, and then you get to about the two minute mark and things start to fall apart and you can't focus or pay attention anymore, and, and you finally have to stop, and you convince yourself, oh, that was pretty good. I mean, when am I ever really going to do that for two minutes? So yeah, two minutes is cool, and then you move on to the next thing and your body never had a chance to really memorize that pattern because the reason that you stopped was because you were distracted or that you messed up. You didn't stop because you knew that you had it. And being in a group setting, that second minute where things might fall apart when you're by yourself, well, guess what? You can't stop. You've got to keep on going. And that's where the muscle memory starts to kick in because your mind is focused and your muscle memory starts to kick in. And this stuff starts to sink to a deeper level. And when an exercise, a coordination exercise, sinks to a deeper level with your mind and with your body, then it becomes part of you. And you've mastered that little segment of information, if you will. So, for instance, a paradiddle, you know. You work on your paradiddle, and you play it, and you play it, and you play it. And pretty soon, your body knows what a paradiddle is. You can do it between your hands. You can do it in your mind. You can do it between a hand and a foot. You have all kinds of choices. And then, say you want to play a 16th note fill around the kit, and you want to crash on the downbeat. Now, this is a very basic thing that I'm saying, but I just, just to prove what I'm saying happens. Um, so, you're playing 16th notes around the kit. One e and a two e and a three e and a four e and a. And then, it's time to crash. But instead of playing the crash on your right side, which would be right, left, 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 right, 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 crash with your right, you want to crash with the symbol on the left side of your body. 
and it's too far away to reach with your right hand. So, if the paradiddle is truly in your muscle memory, your sticking might be like this. Right, left, 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 right, right, left. So if you're going snare, 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 tom, 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 boom. That last tom, you'll play a paradiddle. That way your left hand is free to get up and out and over to the crash cymbal. Now this is an analytical thing that I'm saying right now, and I'm intellectualizing it. But if you truly have the the paradiddle ingrained in you, that's what will happen when the creative urge to hear a specific sound, oh, that crash cymbal has the perfect sound to blend with what's going on with the music right now. It's on my left side, and I really think 16th notes is the right thing to do. A paradiddle kicks in on the floor tom. Paradiddle, boom. And you're crashing with your left hand without even thinking about it. That's what I mean by muscle memory. I think you understand that. So, The joy of practicing is really about being in the moment and really giving your full attention and awareness to what it is you're doing. That is a much more effective thing than trying to fly through a bunch of exercises in hopes that you're going to be good enough to to play that session or or you're cramming and you're going to be you're going to get the gig because you crammed all this stuff. Make it stick. You have to remember that this is a lifelong journey here that you're doing. Practicing never ends. Playing gigs never ends. Being creative never ends. Nothing ends until you end. So take your time. Do it right. It's the hardest thing in the world to take your time and do it right. But I promise you, everything that you do with intention and focus and discipline and awareness is the right way. And that will settle into your playing so much stronger and it'll make you a better player immediately. Now, that's not to say that it's not cool to have fun and to jam. I'm all for it. In fact, that's a great way to get the creativity flowing as well. Sit behind a kit, make stuff up. That's a great thing to do. But when you're really practicing on something, muscle memory is the name of the game. Okay, I think that's a lot of talking for this podcast. So I'm going to back out, hopefully... uh, Hopefully this struck a chord with you and um, you can put it into practice and I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in and have a great one. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating and please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.